Hello, everyone. This is A Moment in History, Interview 18. I'm Harrison Zyberg, and this is, once again, WCCS Podcast. And if my guests would like to introduce themselves. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Jacob Libby. I'm a rising junior at Wheaton College, um, computer science major, and been friends with Harrison for a while. Um, heard about this podcast and was asked to be interviewed, and I'm excited to do it. Great. So the first question I like to ask college students is, um, do you remember the first moment you learned that you were going to be moving from on-campus learning to remote learning? Um, good question. I remember the first time it became a possibility. Uh, I was with some friends. Um, I think we were actually off campus, just like having dinner together. And we just heard someone heard through like a group of other friends uh, that that was a possibility with COVID and I was just like sweeping the nation. And it was something that had seemed more of a distant problem before that, I guess. Um, especially with just like the news that I consumed at that point was just like, oh, this virus over there is really bad. Um, people over there are getting affected, whether they're being in a different country, continent, or even just different state. Um, so the thought of it affecting me in Norton, Massachusetts, um, didn't really seem that plausible. Um, so I think in the beginning, it definitely became, it started out more of, I don't wanna say unlikely, but just like, it didn't seem like, it's, it seemed like I was in a bubble, I guess is one way to put it, um, where like, it was a problem that I knew needed to be tended to, but I didn't know how far it would really kind of impact everyone at that point. So did this, um, so it came as a shock to you, so COVID really wasn't on your radar? Yeah, it was like on my radar, but not as much as it should have been. I guess it was kind of something I was concerned about, but not in the immediate future as I should have been. I was thinking, oh, this will impact other people's colleges. Um, this will impact other different countries and things like that. Um, I really had no clue that it was going to cause this much of an effect in especially Massachusetts, um, but even America in general. So then what were your feelings as you, in like the first days, and as, as you progressed through the semester, even to this moment of having to pretty abruptly move from on-campus learning, where you're, you're in the social atmosphere, it's probably what everyone thinks college is gonna be like, to uncharted territory, to remote learning, where it's a completely different scenario than probably anyone thought we would ever have. Definitely. Um, I mean, I was worried something like that may happen um, in the beginning of the year with Triple E. Um, there was, I forgot the extension of that um, abbreviation, but Triple E was affecting schools in Massachusetts and other states. Um, so I didn't know what would happen with that. But once that subsided, I was like, okay, now we can have a normal school year. Um, so it definitely was abrupt, or very abrupt. Um, I think one of the ways it shocked, sorry, could you repeat all the question? I, I, <laughs> sorry, I'm hearing some noise in the background. Yeah, I was basically asking how did your feelings develop towards having to move to a totally unique situation or a situation you weren't probably expecting to have gone into? Yeah. How did your feelings develop towards that? As I think I went on. Before it actually happened, I was having some health issues um, where I didn't know if I'd be needing um, a surgery. 
And then in that case, I was thinking, oh, I might need to skip the rest of the semester. Um, so I was kind of already in the mindset of um, a bunch of different what ifs, whether it be what if I have to um, go home and have a surgery or um, what if that isn't needed and I have to stay here. Um, I was already just playing through a bunch of different um, kind of scenarios. So when that came up with the college where they're like, we're going to do remote learning, it was definitely a shock. Um, but I also was kind of relieved in some way um, because a lot of the unknown aspects of COVID, of my own health, um, were kind of, there was a plan set forth then that I can definitely see now is the best plan um, that could have happened if we were still at school and an outbreak happened before um, colleges, that everything's already just transmitting between people. If one person gets a cough, the rest of the class has it. Um, so I was definitely relieved in the beginning and I just keep getting more and more relieved that that happened. I think one of my big worries at the time was just how well I'd be able to function as a student at home because I'd never done college work remotely. The closest thing was just doing homework um, during high school. So there was a bit of a transition with um, just kind of finding that work-life balance um, and staying focused. Because in my mind, especially with the extended break that happened um, with Wheaton, where we were kind of released during spring break, so that extended further, um, going back to school and having that transition back was very difficult for me at least, where it felt like there was so much changing that school wasn't really on my radar and I didn't really give it the intention that I probably should have in the beginning. And I guess telling us, uh, sorry, if you could tell us about your experiences with online or remote learning, like for classes, if you could I guess just pick one specific class if you'd like, or you can give more general idea of how that class functioned um, and how it was changed from on-campus life. Totally. Um, so like I said, I was a computer science, or I am a computer science major um, and math minor. And I took, let's see, I think a couple math classes and a physics class. Um, and of those, they all had their own difficulties. Um, one of the ones that was a little more, um, a bit more change was either the, was probably the physics class. And then I was also TAing a uh, computer science class. Um, so with the physics class, it was electronic circuits. So we had to, of course, be in class and have those physical circuit boards and be figuring out things like that. Um, so it was a bit of kind of a different transition than I was expecting with kind of like online simulators and um, different aspects of class and different things that we'd have to learn that we didn't kind of expect to learn while we were on campus. Um, and then with TAing, it was a whole different kind of set of changes where instead of being in person with these students and being able to tell and see their faces and be like, okay, they understand this topic or they know what's wrong or right, um, or kind of like they're understanding what I'm saying, it's a lot more, at least with the class that I was TAing, a lot more of like turned off cameras and muted microphones. So you kind of like are talking to a void, um, which is a little more difficult to make sure your point's getting across. Um, so I think, although there were some benefits, there were definitely some benefits. To, I mean, doing online learning, of course, COVID, like it's huge, a huge benefit of just like not getting people sick. Um, 
but also just some of my classes were pre-recorded. So if I was having a really bad day, I mean, my mental health wasn't doing great during COVID, um, doing during or due to the health things, but also just a bunch of family stuff going on and just me handling the um, current scenario of the world. I could just kind of have a mental day uh, or mental health day midway through the week and then get to my pre-recorded classes the next day. Um, so although there were some challenges, I definitely think it was the best option and I'm really glad that the school took it. Um, and a lot of the teachers and professors made it a lot easier than I thought it'd be with the pre-recorded classes and holding office hours and just checking up on students to see how they were doing. Now, do you think your, um, I don't know if quality is the right word, but I guess what you're able to retain in online classes, was that affected by um, it being online or I guess just in general, everything going on in your life, was that, did that affect your ability to retain the information you're being told? That's a good question. Um, I think, I'm not sure if the online learning specifically did it, um, kind of affected it, but I'd say kind of the combination of everything where um, I had some classes where the professors would just be super into COVID and kind of mesh some of their lessons with it, which was really cool, um, but sometimes it was overwhelming. Um, just kind of sometimes I'd, my head would go back into the mindset of we're in a pandemic and this is going to be in history books and I'm learning this very niche thing and does it really matter and have those kind of mini existential crises uh, during math class. So I think my general ability to perform at the, I guess, yeah, my, my general ability to perform as I was at like on campus, it was, it was affected. Um, I feel like as it should be, you're not able to have the same learning style um, for many reasons with the general kind of mindset that you're in and also just the different format and the change of format. Um, I think it was affected, but I don't think it was one thing in particular. Um, it took a lot more effort, I'm sure for a lot of students to get back to the level um, that they were kind of achieving on campus, but remotely. Now in the last few weeks, I guess in the first 10 interviews I did, that was before we didn't have released its reopening plans, before a lot of colleges had released its reopening plans. And now they're out and students have had to make what has been a lot of tough decisions of what next semester is gonna look like. Yep. I wonder if you could tell me your reactions to those reopening plans that Wheaton has put out and your decision about next semester. Of course, yeah. Um, so Wheaton, I'm sure Harrison has gone over this in other episodes, um, but they decided to do a hybrid reopening um, where you could choose to um, go back on campus or do remote learning. Um, I know other colleges like, I think Bowdoin, I'm from Maine, um, Bowdoin has like a opening plan where freshmen are allowed on campus, but all other um, kind of levels are online. So with the hybrid plan that Wheaton has, um, I decided to do the remote learning. Um, I talked before about how I had some health complications. I ended up having a surgery um, over break or over summer. I'm happy to go into that if you'd like. Um, but with that, I am more immunocompromised than I was before the surgery. Um, and there's like a bit of like a kind of comeback period after where you have to kind of take it low and take some time to recover. And so for me, 
just the thought of going back to a college campus where I'm sure there's going to be great restrictions in place. I'm sure that people are going to be as safe as they can. Um, but I just felt more comfortable um, staying at home and learning kind of remotely and on my own clock in a way where if I am having a really hard week, I can let my professors know and I can just do the best I can. But there's, in my mind, studying remotely, if there's pre-recorded lessons, more leeway with um, when there's medical um, complications. Um, I had, I can totally share, I had a heart surgery and um, there's definitely a recovery period for that. So if I'm unable to just perform one day or I'm just super tired or I need a day of rest, I can let my professors know and be like, hey, I really can't today, but I will watch the lectures tomorrow and I'll let you know um, what I need help with and go to your office hours. And it's just such a better plan for me to stay remote for health reasons, mental health reasons, just a bunch of different reasons. But I totally understand um, why some students feel like they can only get that kind of college essence from being on campus. Um, but I definitely um, think it's the best decision for me at least to go remote. Now, um, I plan on asking about your heart surgery, but actually, yeah, I wanna to get to that actually right now. You don't have to tell us what you had specifically, but I guess, can tell us, you were obviously in a hospital, so what were the different precautions taken because of COVID or because of the current climate? Or what were some fear, were there any fears, extra fears that you had knowing that you're going into a place where you're going to surgery during the middle of a pandemic that has to have been, a surgery is scary regardless. It must have, was it an added fear? Because, and can you just tell us a little bit about that? Totally. Um, so I had my surgery at, um, Brigham and Women's Hospital uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. So Boston, Massachusetts um, already added a little bit of fear with it. Um, there was a specialist there, so it was the best for that, but um, Boston was not doing great at COVID at the time. Um, so the plan of the hospital at that, before having surgery, um, probably up to like a couple of days before, was that you can't have any visitors no matter what for any reason. Even if it's family, just no one's allowed in there but you, which, scared me. Um, I mean, it's a big surgery. Um, I'm 20 years old now, which I should be an adult, but I'm not. I thought it'd be cool to have some family there. Um, but like days before the surgery, they, um, the hospital changed the rules and they allowed one family member in there for some visiting hours. So that relieved me. Um, I had my mom come down with me. She drove me down because I couldn't of course drive after surgery. Um, and we stayed in a hospital or in a hotel. And then when I had the surgery, um, going into the hospital for testing and then the surgery, it was a bit of a shock just seeing how COVID had changed how the hospital functions. Um, I'd never really, of course, been in for a big surgery before, but just seeing how there were so many different lines and methods and people had all the masks on and face shields and gloves. And it seemed very, people were very helpful, but it seemed very just like there was a border between me and people. Um, Cause going to hospitals before, I mean, people are smiling. You can, not everyone's smiling, of course, but like people at the front desk may be smiling, uh, hopefully, um, but there's just nothing there. So you're looking for some social cues to just relax you a little bit. And so I was just like looking into people's eyes being like, I hope this is okay. Um, so that especially happened with like, um, as I got closer and closer to the surgery and like I was in pre-op and um, 
I mean, there was, was one or two people that had Crocs on that were helping me get ready for pre-op. And I was like, you know, this is my chance to feel comfortable. Um, so we started talking about Crocs because uh, I couldn't see their faces. I could see their feet. And that was like one of the things that really helped me out kind of relaxing before surgery. Um, the people there were absolutely fantastic and they were very accommodating to just like the fact that I was nervous and situations have changed. And I just kind of was more alone than I was intending to when I'd heard last winter that I needed surgery. Um, so kind of at once I had surgery and was recovering in the hospital, um, in the ICU and it was still a bit of that. I don't think I recognized it at that point, but now looking back, like I did not see the face, full face of anyone in that hospital. Even the people that had like surgically, I mean, cut me open because I've only had Zoom calls with my surgeon. Um, and I've only had, and then like when I saw him face to face, of course he had a face mask on and the nurses tending to me, they had PPE as well. Um, so it was a bit of kind of like, it kind of, some essences of it felt impersonal just because you know they're there to care for you, um, but it felt like another step to kind of have that sense of security. Um, for some reason, just like the covering of that face um, made that a little more difficult. But I mean, of course, tried to be more talkative and I was like, hey, you're wearing Crocs or, oh, I, I like bird watching, you do too. And just things like that, um, which, it seemed like that made them happier too, because I'm sure they had just a bunch of disgruntled, I mean, who's getting heart surgery, probably disgruntled old men. And <laughs> they're probably not the happiest campers. Um, so it was kind of, it was relieving to see how nice a lot of the people were there. Um, I had a bunch of people that were there for only like a couple hours with me or maybe just one shift, um, but I, we had great conversations. I remember their names and just like being able to have that connection, especially during COVID where I hadn't really met anyone new or talked to anyone in so long. And I wasn't able to have my family there or my girlfriend there or anything like that um, to comfort me in ways that you see on Instagram videos or videos on Twitter. Um, I wasn't able to have that. So having such nice people at the hospital caring for me was amazing and definitely unexpected, but just really helped me. Um, it was fantastic. I mean, the surgery, of course, I mean, surgery is not, they're not fantastic themselves, but it was great to just have people there to help me out. Now, did you notice in the um, staff themselves, I was, you may not be able to answer this question, but did they seem nervous? Not, I guess, maybe not specifically about you, but again, you had surgery in the middle of a pandemic. So do you think, did you notice like a heightened sense of nervousness around those people who were in a place where there is a lot of sick people? I was actually surprised by how calm a lot of people felt um, and how calm that made me feel. Um, where that would come up with some of my nurses. Um, I had one nurse who I'll call B um, and she had a family and she of course wore PPE and things like that. But she said that she felt actually safest at the hospital because of all the precautions they had. Um, so, I mean, just talking with them and knowing that they had families and they felt safe um, at the hospital, I was completely surprised by, because that was one of the, my worries before surgery. And one of my 
family's worries with just me being immunocompromised and being in a hotspot with, I'm sure, a bunch of sick people at the hospital. Um, I wasn't on, I was on like a floor without COVID because I'd been tested beforehand. Um, that also made me feel a lot safer. Um, there wasn't too much, I'd say, worry. Um, I think there was just enough kind of thoughtfulness with people, but it wasn't worry. Um, everybody was very precautious. Um, everybody was wearing masks, gloves, everything like that. Um, so it felt very safe. And they, it, their kind of like calm attitude towards it made it feel even safer. Now, um, before I ask the next question, next, next question, so I say, so you're Brigham and Women's. That's the hospital I was born in. That is? It is the hospital, yeah. Dude, that's sick. And then, so just for a time frame question, what, um, I guess, what day did you have your surgery? The 17th of June, I believe, yeah. So that's around, because uh, we're doing this interview on yep. July 22nd, so just a little bit over a month ago. Yeah. Um, so this is sort of, again, a little bit broader, but can you tell us what a typical day for you during quarantine was like? Sure. Um, like now-ish or like before-ish? Uh, whatever you would like to say. You can choose both. Okay. One um, I mean, before surgery, because it was summer, I mean, I, I was on my computer a lot and not doing much. Um, I was, I have my girlfriend living in kind of Northern Maine. Um, so sometimes I'd, I waited to visit her for a long time until um, there were like some bans lifted in Maine and we would do like two week quarantine sessions where um, if I went out somewhere, I would wait two weeks until going to see her um, and vice versa. Um, a lot of the quarantine, quarantining didn't feel real until small things happened. Like if we brought, if we had to get groceries, we would do it online and do like the um, contactless pickup and then like scrub them when we got back home. But then once that was over with, it was just like a normal weekend. Um, we don't have a TV with cable in my house. So a lot of the news I kind of had to look for. So it's not kind of like just going in the background. So a lot of the time it kind of just felt like a fever dream. If I was walking outside and nobody was there or the only people there were having masks on like me. Um, it was, it just kind of felt unreal in the beginning. Um, and then now after surgery, it's kind of different in a weird, in a different way. Um, where like, if I'm out for a walk, um, there's, it just feels like everybody, everybody's been wearing masks for so long that it's kind of, it's going to be weird when people aren't in a way. Um, I was talking with people before about, um, I have no clue when I'll feel comfortable going to going and do things, doing things that I did before quarantining, like going to a Goodwill or a thrift store. Um, it's just in my mind, I can't even wrap around when I'll feel comfortable going out to a normal store again. Um, and in my mind, it's just the biggest changes of quarantine have been mindset wise where I'll be like, Oh, I should go hang out with friends. I haven't done that in a while. And I'm like, eh, probably shouldn't. <laughs> um, I had some, friends have like a socially distant hangout after my surgery um we opened a window for to our front lawn and they had like camping chairs set out like eight feet apart and i opened up the window and we just talked like that for a bit um 
yeah, quarantine, quarantine has been weird. Um, but I think a lot, one of the big savers has been technology. So I can zoom call people if I need to talk to them or, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have, I don't have a crazy lifestyle. Didn't before either. Um, I would just spend a long time on my computer. <laughs> so, um, quarantine hasn't changed some things, but I think the biggest thing has just changed. It's been like my mindset, um, and just my way of thinking. Now you actually, I've recently I've added a newer section to uh, these interviews where it's just called quick questions, and what you actually said sort of uh, answered. What well, not even answer one of them, but maybe remember it. And the question is, what do you think will be the last of like the normal things to come back, like shaking <laughs> hands? Like, what do you think is going to take a long time from? the old pre-COVID to come back into this normal use again? Or do you think we'll come back at all? Hmm. Interesting. Huh. That's a really good question. I think at least, um, at least what I'm thinking right now would be sadly kind of the more community oriented things like a thrift store or yard sales um things where it's a lot more i don't know if it's one-on-one -on -one. a yard sale is more one-on-one -on -one. um but kind of not as i don't know regulate i don't know if regulated is the word regulated seems weird um but i feel like just Going to the mall, I can totally see happening um, with a mask, without a mask. That's going to happen at some point. But just seeing myself kind of looking through other people's clothes at a thrift store, which I love doing before, or pulling up to someone's house and seeing them sitting on a lawn chair outside and not being freaked out and running the other way. Just that kind of, that seems a little very far off to me. I know it's going to happen at some point. It kind of, in my mind, has to. Um, but I have no clue how I don't think it's going to ever be an abrupt thing where um, if it was like a conflict or something like that, there's a treaty signed. And then the next day they're like, I'm sure it's not that clean, but it's like, ah, oh, we're done. Um, with a pandemic in my mind, it seems like it'd be a lot more gradual where today I went out and ate lunch without a mask on. Fantastic. Um, even though the government said, like, I didn't actually do that. That's a day. That's a story. Um, but like, Oh, the government said it's fine last week. Now I feel comfortable doing this. Um, I feel like it's going to be a different kind of gradual pace that everyone else has to figure out for themselves. Um, but I feel like for me, at least kind of those more sidebar interactions, especially I'm going to do yard sales. Yard sales is something where I'm going to, it's going to take a while for me, even though I love yard sales, love a good yard sale, but I feel like that's going to take definitely months We'll see if it happens even in 2021. Now, if you can, so 2020 has been a historic year. It was a historic year before COVID. It's a mm -hmm. more historic year during it with everything that's going on. Yeah. If you can picture after 2020, when people start to write books about this year, yeah. um, 10, 20, however many years down the road, if 
you're a historian or a social scientist or just anyone and you have to look back at this year and pick a topic to write about what do you think what do you think those people will focus on when they write those books hmm. i mean it's been it's been quite a year <laughs> and it's only what july um i think I mean, there's been huge things. I mean, haven't the Australian bushfires even happened this year? Um, that, like, that's definitely not in, I don't know. There's so many big things, but in my mind, the two biggest would be um, the Black Lives Matter movement and um, COVID-19. But I hope there's a huge focus on the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I know... I hope that both are in there. And I say that just because I hope that the Black Lives Matter movement is emphasized. Um, Cause I know that COVID will of course be in there. Um, it's a huge plague um, that has changed so many people's lives. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, it's in my mind, it's been a thing that I've heard about a lot um, years, um, for years and years, I live in Maine, and there's um, always been a bunch of students at the schools I've gone to that have been um, holding rallies and protests and um, kind of informational sessions also um, where I've been learning about it. Um, but this was also just a huge year um, to kind of get more people involved as well and educate, I feel like, nationwide um, where it was kind of a back burner subject for our nation, sadly, for a long time. Um, but now it's kind of in view now. Um, so I really hope it is, yeah, Black Lives Matter movement. Now, I like asking the question of, obviously, you said it was a back burner issue. So it's not that the Black Lives Matter movement was created a few months ago. It's, we both, it has seen a huge resurgence. Yeah, resurgence, yeah. And of new support. Do you think this new movement and the amount of airtime it's got and the amount of issues it's brought up. Do you think, do you see that continuing in the future? Do you see that in the coming months, the people who maybe weren't activists or who didn't talk about it continue to talk about it? Or do you see, like we saw happen before, where there is a moment and then it dies down again? And then people care that it dies down again. So what do you think will happen? That's a good question. Um... I I don't know if it will die down again. Um, I think if anything, it may change forms in a way that it has been recently. Um, I think, I mean, before it didn't seem like it was as, I think it's changed forms um, since it's been um, kind of formed a while ago and how in the beginning it was kind of a thing that was trending on Twitter. Um, and then it moved to peaceful protests um, and years and years of um, different forms. And then this year um, with the George Floyd um, and then the protests and rallies and some of them um, kind of being peaceful, some a little less peaceful. Um, it seems like the movement has the same values, but it's also kind of changing its way of kind of stating and educating people of those values. So I kind of feel like there may be 
I'm not, I'm not sure how, but I feel like in some way it's going to take a different form with college students, um, with kind of their expression of um, black appreciation. And in my mind, um, I'd love to see that happen on college campuses where it's not only um, Africana studies students who are sharing the importance of the movement, but maybe um, English majors who are writing stories or memoirs or poems or science or computer science majors who are coding different things or including databases of important figures who are black and need to be recognized for their excellence. Um, or maybe it's an arts major who is creating different murals or statues or anything. I think it's just, it'd be amazing to see, I know college students are very influential um, in this movement and they've been fantastic at showing up to rallies and posting on social media. I think it'd be really cool to kind of further that within the college environment and bring people's kind of majors and specialties into that as well. Now you sort of brought up actually two uh, questions and topics that I want to get into, but I'll ask uh, this one first. So with everything that's happened this year, how do you see that affecting your area of study, if you do at all? Hmm. I think it's impacted me to desire more of a job that matters. Because, I mean, for a while in my life, I've just been wanting, I mean, I love school, of course, I love learning, but kind of looking forward to a cubicle job where I can just sit in my cubicle, have a cat poster on the wall, and just clock in at nine, clock out at five, have my afternoon to myself. Um, but I kind of, I now see the importance of having a career path and a job path that actually matters and isn't just a way to earn money, but also create change. Um, so with computer science, I, in my mind, I don't know, I've been to different discussions and stuff on Wheaton's campus um, last year, but it seems at first glance, at least for me, um, that some majors have a more clear and direct path to that change. Um, so I've kind of been trying to figure out different ways that I can kind of have more of a career path that isn't just punching in numbers on a spreadsheet or something that in my mind is doesn't impact in the way that I want to. I kind of want to find something where um, I have, I can kind of go back to my sofa in my house at the end of the day or my apartment and just be like, wow, I did something. Not, I just, wow, I just wasted a couple hours of my day and earned a few bucks, but just kind of feel proud of what I do and feel happy about and excited about sharing that with people. And then the next question was, and you sort of talked about this before, but do you view this moment this year as a, what can we call like a generational moment? That it's something that us moving forward as Generation Z, people around our age, um, that this will be something that will stay with us for the rest of our lives and affect how we view the world, affect how we see things? Or do you think this is a moment that we can somehow return to a pre-2020 
pre-everything stage to a sort of back to a normal? I think at the very least, um, we're going to carry things that we've experienced or learned um, through this time um, to the rest of our lives. And I'm sure also affect our children and our children's children with those um, kind of experiences and ideals. Um, for me, I... I think there's some ways where it's clearer to me where I want to, what I want to take from this. Like I want to make sure that I am making everyone feel included um, and just kind of learning as much as I can about certain topics instead of just, because in before um, a lot of the um, news headlines changed to Black Lives Matter, I, I believed in it, but I didn't do anything about that belief. I kind of had it as an ideal, um, but now with its resurgence, I'm just so glad that now there is, it is in the limelight and in the spotlight. And um, I hope that people take it with them to 2021 at the very, very least. Um, but I mean, people who experienced the Great Depression, they don't, love banks now a lot of them so i think at the very least we can leave 2020 with just the ideal that human beings are human beings and black lives do matter and that we need to start treating people with the respect and the love that they deserve and just kind of fight for justice i think is honestly the bare minimum um to take from this year also, just wash your hands. I don't know people, people weren't doing that before, I guess. But there's so many things that we can learn from 2020. I feel like when things go bad and things are awful, that's when you can learn the most. So it's already, it's almost August and we already have books that we could write about how much we could learn. But I think the biggest one is just, we need to all really appreciate how we all do like black lives do matter which is something i can say from my house in maine with a certainty that i'm confused by how that doesn't make any sense other people don't have the same certainty in that statement and i just don't i can't understand that from my point of view which is shocking to me. So I think, I don't know where I'm going at now. I'm just saying words. But I, I think the biggest takeaway from 2020, and it will be a changing, it will change our generation. I hope that our generation can carry forth the idea that black lives do matter. And to our, to our future generations, I mean, to our kids, we can teach them that lesson. I hope they don't have to be taught it, um, but kind of bring that towards the future so we can have a better future. Now, um, this is sort of a, this is a two-part question, but if you could tell anyone, you sort of spoke about this already, if you could tell anyone, either to a person who listens to this in the future, or a person who's writing a book about this period, and let's say they listen to this interview, if you could tell them anything, what would you want to tell them? And the second part of that question is, if you could tell someone who refuses to wear a mask something, hmm. what would you want to tell them? Um, 
So the broad anyone, um, what's up? How's it going? Hope you're doing well. Um, I think it's just learn and absorb as much information as you can um, in the general aspect of everything that happens in 2020 with, uh, but also the specifics with election, with um, COVID, with Black Lives Matter. Um, if you don't know what you think, or even if you do know what you think, um, just learn more. And um, at the very least, you'll be more confident in your beliefs. Um, to someone who doesn't want to wear a mask, definitely do the same. Um, even if, in my mind, especially being immunocompromised, even if it doesn't do anything, it does stuff. But even if it doesn't do anything, you can wear a mask. I mean, if I had to wear a thimble on my thumb, because people said that it helps um, reduce rates of cancer, I'd wear it. I mean, like, it's not going to hurt me. A mask isn't going to hurt you in my mind. So, like, there's no, there's no reason not to, but there's such a huge reason to wear it. Even if you're a teenager at the prime of your life and you are just teeming with white blood cells and T cells, your grandfather isn't or the person you see at the grocery store isn't or maybe even their children aren't i think just 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 wear the mask please so as he near the end of the interview i always like to ask the question is there anything else that i haven't we haven't talked about that you would like to um Nothing in my mind, um, just, I mean, 2020 has been a crazy year. I hope all the listeners are doing okay if it's 2020, and I hope they're doing okay if it's not 2020. Um, but no matter when this is listened to, I just hope people understand just this is, this has been quite the year for many, many reasons, but we've, we've got a lot to learn from whether you're here in the present or you're in the future, there's a lot to listen to and a lot to learn from the past. And the last two questions, which are yeah. always the same uh, for all the interviews is what do you think the next steps are? And that can either be for you personally or your community, your family, lead in the work, every way you want to interpret that. Next steps. Matter of fact, take a second to think about that. That's yeah, completely fine. I, I'm not sure, honestly, the next steps um, for the to help in every situation. I mean, right now I'm thinking of I don't have any concrete steps for the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I feel like it, I feel like I'm not the person to ask for that, sadly. Uh, I wish I had answers. Um, but for things as simple as like, not as simple, but for COVID um, related things, I think next steps would just be spreading how important it is. I guess that's also a great step for Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and just how 
doing the bare minimum does help and spreading that and just having people wear masks um, at the very least will help um, as a next small baby step um, to help so many people. Um, next steps for 2020, y'all, y'all should go register to vote as well. Um, vote for whoever you believe will help our nation the most. Um, I'm not going to push any political beliefs on you, but just please vote for whoever you think is the right candidate. And then the last question is the most direct I've asked, but are you hopeful? Yeah, I'm hopeful. Um, I think as there are days where I'm not as hopeful, I'll listen to the news and just a story will come out or I'll hear a couple quotes and I'll be like, wow, we're really, we're, we're trash. We're really not doing great. Um, but I think all in all, of course, depending on certain election results, um, I'll be more hopeful or less, but I'm hopeful because at the end of the day, I mean, we're all people and I really hope that we're all just going to band together at some point and help each other out and do what's best for each other um, and spread that to throughout our own states, our own communities, the United States and other countries as well. I'm hopeful. Well, thank you for sharing uh, with me, for telling your perspective and story. Once again, this was A Moment in History, episode 18. I'm Harrison Zyberg, and this was WCCS Podcast. Um, for all those who are going to listen to these in the upcoming weeks or people who listen to this in the future, we hope this tells you a little bit about what this time is actually like for our nation, for the world, and for us as individuals. Thank you. Thank you for having me.